0: how powerful is that? That God restored Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had lost his kingdom. He was still the king, but he was in the wilderness for seven years. And when his understanding comes back, God returned his kingdom to him. And all of his counselors and all of his nobles, they resorted back to him. And he was restored to his kingdom. See, our God is a restoring God. As Pastor
1: Daniel will share today, our God is a God of restoration. He's doing a work in each of our lives right now and will continue to mold us into the men and women he knows we can be if we allow him to do this work. There may be times when we all fall hard and need to be reminded of God's goodness and glory. We could choose to turn back to him again and again. He loves to restore his blessings and grace and love to us. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Daniel chapter 4 with part 1 of his message, The Responding.
0: of living our faith out in this contemporary culture, we learn very quickly that who and how we worship is a huge area of tension, isn't it? Who and how we worship, because this is really important because everybody worships. There's not a person who doesn't worship. Every single person worships something in some way. And Jesus invites each one of us to worship him alone and to worship in the way that he prescribes. And so in our series in the book of Daniel, we see at the end of almost every chapter, there is this opportunity for worship. And so in order to see how we should be the responding, those who simply respond to the Lord, I want you to open up in your Bibles to Daniel chapter four. We're going to be looking at verses 34 to 37. So go ahead, grab those Bibles, open those babies up. Or of course, if you have some sort of a smart device, I want you just to open that thing up, type in Daniel chapter 4, verses 34 to 37, and you will get there. Of course, if you're online, don't forget to open up another browser window. And we're going to just study just the very end of Daniel chapter 4. Now, if you were with us in our last message, what we learned was that God decided to humble King Nebuchadnezzar because Nebuchadnezzar had gotten puffed up with pride. He had forgotten that everything he had was a gift, but God brings this humiliation on Nebuchadnezzar not because God just wants to be mean. A lot of us think that way. We think God just wants to be mean, but God doesn't want to be mean. God wants to transform our lives. And God wanted to transform King Nebuchadnezzar. God had brought a witness around King Nebuchadnezzar people like Daniel, Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as we know them. And they've been witnessing by their own life and by their own testimony to King Nebuchadnezzar. And so at this point, Nebuchadnezzar is not taking responsibility for his life and he's starting to get puffed up. And so remember all of Daniel chapter four, he got humbled. He ended up seven years. He lost his mind. He was in the wilderness. But then it says that his his mind came back to him and the very First thing that Nebuchadnezzar did was he responded to the Lord in praise. Look at what it says. Daniel chapter 4, picking up in verse 34. It says, Now at the end of the time I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him. Who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Verse 35 All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me, and I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth, and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. Now, don't forget, this is a firsthand account. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar wrote this entire chapter. He wrote this letter. He told all the people of his kingdom, this is what happened to me. Now, what's beautiful about this is we learn a number of ways that we should choose to respond to the Lord in worship. Because that's the idea of the responding. It's actually a great definition of worship. Worship is a response to who God is. Think about that. Worship is a response to who God is. Just if someone gives you a gift, right? The proper response is to say, thank you for that gift. And when you or I see who the Lord is, when God opens up our hearts and opens up our minds to who he is, the response that God deserves is worship, declaring the worth of God, declaring the praise of God. So we notice first that Nebuchadnezzar says, that at that time I lifted up my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. So God has done a work in Nebuchadnezzar's life. His understanding returned and he immediately begins to worship. But notice first that he is responding to God's reign. Nebuchadnezzar is responding to God's reign. Think about it. He's saying, I am worshipping God because of God's kingdom. Notice, first he said, "I blessed the Most High and praised him and honored him, the end of verse 34, who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. This is one king, a very powerful king, praising and worshiping a king who is even more powerful. Nebuchadnezzar realized, "My kingdom is finite, but God's reign is forever." And when you and I let our hearts be captivated by who the Lord is and his reign and his kingdom, we can respond to that by saying, oh, you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. When was the last time you allowed the reality of God's reign and everlasting and unending and everlasting kingdom provoke your heart to respond in praise? See, Nebuchadnezzar honored God as the ruler whose kingdom would never end. Unlike any other kingdom in history, the kingdom of God reigns forever. It's like what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, that beautiful model prayer. Didn't he say, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? See, each one of us is called to respond to God's kingly reign. And we respond in worship to The Lord is king. It reminds us of Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. It says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And those of you who know that classic Handles Messiah, the hallelujah chorus, right? When I hear that, I hear it. And he shall reign for... You guys remember that song? Of course you do. If you don't, just go look it up on YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you are. Just go look that thing up. It's powerful. What was written and how powerful it is. But we should respond to the kingly reign of the Lord with worship. Now, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't stop there. Like what it says in verse 35. It says, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing... He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? My friends, you and I, we need to respond to God's freedom. Listen, you and I are free because God first is free. And Nebuchadnezzar realizes that whatever the king wants to do, he's allowed to do. That there's nothing to restrain his hands. All the inhabitants of the earth, even a great pagan king like himself, you can't do anything. God's gonna do what he's gonna do. God has total freedom to work however he want. And because of God's goodness and God's perfection in the midst of his freedom, that gives us a great opportunity to worship. You might be saying, wow, I never thought of God as being free. We are free in Christ in whom the Son sets free is free indeed because God first freed us See, people struggle with this. I love it when people say to me, oh, you know, I could never believe in a God who would save some people. I mean, some Christians are really terrible people. I'm like, you're right. But God's freedom is that God can save anybody. God can choose to lavish grace upon anybody. And I know it can be provocative when God chooses to lavish his grace on somebody who is infinitely undeserving. But let's be honest, all of us are undeserving. It's just a matter of maybe on this human scale, I say, well, that person is Less deserving, but we're all undeserving. But in God's freedom, God has chosen to save. God didn't have to save. He wasn't constrained to, he wanted to. And in God's freedom, God frees us to love and be loved. He's chosen to love us, even when we're not lovable. I mean, think about how powerful that is. You giving love, you are free to do as you want to. And God in his freedom can do whatever he feels like. And Nebuchadnezzar is learning this. His seven years without his mind in the world has brought him to the realization, nobody can restrain the hand of God. God is completely and totally free to do whatever he wants. Nebuchadnezzar sees God's absolute sovereignty and control over everything. And my friends, doesn't that give us a reason to worship? Think about what you're going through right now. I know for some of you, life is so messy. Things are just not going right. Everything, it's going the exact wrong way. All your plans are going to not. And for others of you, everything's falling right into place, isn't it? Like, you're just like, this is the best moment ever. Everything I'm touching, it's turning to gold. Either way, you realize that whatever is happening, it's held in the hands of God. It's not by chance. What's going on in this moment is not happenstance. God is intimately involved in this. And when you begin to realize that God is free to do whatever he wants to do and you embrace that reality, then you just start to pray. You say, oh, Lord, you are good. And oh, Lord, you do good. And God, I am learning how to trust you in your freedom as a good and perfect God, a God who is all loving, but a God who has control over everything. My friends, we should rest so soundly and comfortably in the arms of a God who is infinitely free, who can do whatever he wants. God's purposes will come to pass. And of course, this reminds us of Psalm 115, verses 1 to 3. How do you respond to God's freedom? Listen to what it says. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory because of your mercy, because of your truth. Why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? But our God is in heaven, and he does whatever he pleases. My friends, this is why as a church family, we place such a premium on worship. That's why every time we gather together, there's an opportunity for us to sing praises to God. Now, I know for some of you, you're really not used to this idea of worship. Maybe, depending on how you grew up, maybe you've never been in church, or maybe you've gone to a church where they sang, but everyone just kind of sat there, and someone sang, and you're like, yeah, I hope that gets over soon. And you come into a place like Crossroads, and all everyone's standing, and everyone's got their hands raised, and everyone's enjoying the Lord, and you're like, I don't understand what they're doing, and that's kind of weird. It's not weird, because, listen... You might say, well, I've never seen someone raise their hands before. Yes, you have. You've gone to a sporting event. Someone scores a goal. Everyone's like, yeah. You go to a concert, and everyone's like, yeah, rocking out, right? And they do that because they're enjoying themselves. And the reason people here at Crossroads, we, we don't mind it when they raise their hands. We want them to because they're saying, God, I'm making much of you. They're saying, God, and, and what's beautiful also about the idea of being hands raised as a parent, I love my little Annabelle. She's so cute. She's three years old, and I'll never, I love it. She takes her nap, and when she wakes up from her nap, she calls out. She says, Daddy, I'm awake. Daddy, I'm awake. And so when she's awake and I hear, oh, she come in. I go and I open up the door. And I say, are you awake? And she goes like this. And I just reach down down. And I pick her up. And so when you see people worshiping, people raise their hands. They're saying, oh, Papa God, pick me up. And that's part of worship, realizing who the Lord is and what he's done. And realizing that he's a good father and that he loves you. And he wants to do a work in your life. And that God wants to pick you up. And God is free to pick you up. See, even when things are wrong, in the midst of the storm, we can still raise our hands and say, God, I do not like this and I do not want not want this, but I surrender to you. I trust you. And I trust that you will never leave me nor forsake me. I trust, Lord, that you deserve glory and you're going to do whatever it is that you're going to do. And when push comes to shove at the end of the day, I'm going to know that my God is good and does good. And isn't that what we learn with hindsight that 2020. It's amazing how faith in God can transform a situation. I think of one of the hardest things in my life, of obviously, was when my mother passed away of cancer. And I can look back on that now with, at this point, it was over half my life, 20 years ago when my mom passed away. And I can see God working through that. Now, don't get me wrong, God doesn't need that to work, but I see God's redemptive ability at work in that situation. Sure. I get to spend my whole life being bitter about it. And I praise God that he intervened in my life and he brought something beautiful out of something so horrible. And that's what happens when you begin to realize that God is good, even when situations don't seem good. As the old hymn says that behind a frowning providence, there is a smiling face. That God is at work and we can respond to God's freedom and praise Him. And listen, if you're here today and you've already put your faith and trust in Jesus, listen, you have infinite reasons to praise God. God freely forgave you. He didn't put any stipulations on that. He sent Jesus to live a perfect life just for you. He sent Jesus to die on a cross to forgive your sins. He raised Jesus from the dead, conquering sin and death. And he sent Jesus and Jesus ascended to heaven and they sent forth the Holy Spirit to indwell you. So no matter what's going on, I mean, God freely gave us that gift. And if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, this is one of the reasons why life is hard right now because you are not responding to God's reign. You're actually living in rebellion against it. You're not responding to God's freedom. You still think that everything happens by chance and you miss out on a good God working in the midst. And King Nebuchadnezzar was that until this moment. He didn't realize that God had a reign. He didn't realize that God was free to do whatever he wants. He thought, I'm the top dog. But now all of a sudden, through this season of trial and struggle, now all of a sudden, something's changing. And he's praising God. And he's praising God for all these reasons. And what is also beautiful here, look what it says in verse 36. It says, at the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor And splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice. My friends, you and I, we can be responding to God's restoration. We can be responding to God's restoration. How powerful is that? That God restored Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had lost his kingdom. He was still the king, but he was in the wilderness for seven years. And when his understanding comes back, God returned his kingdom to him. And all of his counselors and all of his nobles, they resorted back to him. And he was restored to his kingdom. See, our God is a restoring God. And Nebuchadnezzar learned that that one of the things that God wants to do is bring restoration. Now, what a lot of us want is we just want things to go back to the way that they used to be. But God, when he intervenes in our lives, he takes, doesn't give it back to the way it used to be. He makes it better because he becomes the center. And for Nebuchadnezzar, this understanding, this reality that God is absolutely A restoring God changes his life. I mean, listen to what it says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4. It says, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. By humility and the fear. See, this is what Nebuchadnezzar is experiencing. Because of his experience with God through this big trial, what he's realizing is that now he's been humbled and he fears God, but now there's riches. And for you, no matter what your journey's been, no matter where you've come from, God wants to do a restorative work, not to back to what it used to be, but to what it's never been. Because when you put your faith and trust in the Lord, now all of a sudden, the real riches of life, who God is, his presence in our life, that changes everything. True prosperity is knowing the Lord. If you have all the money in the world and you have not God, you are a person most impoverished. And if you have nothing and you have the Lord, then you have everything. Now, in a lot of ways, for the latter, most of us might never have to experience that. It's like Martin Luther said, I don't agree with everything Martin Luther said. He said, I have all this in Christ as well. What riches there are. And Nebuchadnezzar, he has a relationship now with God and he got his kingdom restored to him. It reminds us, of course, of Matthew 6, 33, when Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. When you seek after God's ways, God's provision will be there. And what I love about this is God's restoration also comes with God's truth, because by the time this little time of praise comes to an end for Nebuchadnezzar, he says in verse 37, He praises and he extols and he honors the God of heaven. And he says, all of whose works are truth and his ways, justice. And I love the fact that all of God's works are truth. That God's ways are the right ways. Jesus is the truth. See, truth isn't a concept. It's a person. That person is Jesus. This also pops up in Revelation chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. It says, They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all the nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. Do you see why we have infinite reasons to praise God? That God's ways are true. His works are justice. God always does what is right. And my friends, that is why as a church family, we don't just believe in praising God when we gather together Sunday by Sunday, midweek by midweek, but we believe in living a lifestyle of worship, that we worship God at every turn. And we don't worship God in a passive way, but we worship God in a fervent way. Because God is worthy to be praised, God deserves the best of who we are. He deserves all of our passion and all of our joy. And we have infinite reasons to worship God. And I want to encourage you, as we close this message out, that you make the decision with the knobs on your side of the wall that you say, I'm going to be a worshiper. And how whatever my worship life looks like right now, I'm going to ask God by His Holy Spirit to turn up the temperature. To turn up the volume of that. To make me more fervent. To turn the heat up that I might not only be a worshiper, but I might be a worshiper that creates other worshipers. That when people come in contact with my life of worship, it would be like a brush fire. Jesus is...
1: King Nebuchadnezzar met a trying consequence to his actions, but his response is what Pastor Daniel focused on today. Instead of complaining and continuing to fall away from God, the great and humbled king turned to his almighty creator, giving him praise and adoration for all he had done. We too need to recognize the incredible wonder of our God and spend some time worshiping his glorious name.
0: I want to thank you so much for listening to Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible
1: says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, Take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue to lay out specific ways in which we need to seek a life of praise and worship of God. Nebuchadnezzar's complete turnaround and surrender to God will show us the importance of his lifestyle and also the impact it can have on others. Nebuchadnezzar witnessed to a kingdom. There's no telling what God can do in our lives when we turn to him. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Friction. Until then, may God bless.